You know when it's 80 degrees outside, sunny skies, low humidity, ah, all is as it should be. It feels like the promised land. And not just with the weather outside, but sometimes everything seems plentiful and successful. Work is going great, family's going great, relationships are amazing, even the bank account is overflowing. So how does God fit in when things are good? God in the time of harvest. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Today marks the halfway point in our summer series called On the Road Again, Finding God in the Unexpected Journeys. And today, Pastor Jason brings us the perspective of Joshua, who, after wandering in the desert for decades, led his people into the promised land. He made it. But God's not done yet. So let's check it out right now. As we've been into this sermon series, this is really about getting real about our stuff as we follow this journey that God has us on. Because so often, and I think that video is so true with church, is we get so weird about church. We get like, we got to put our best foot forward, and then everybody's doing that. And so then we look at everyone's best feet, and we're just like, oh man, they got it all figured out. They don't know that I'm a hot mess. Um, but just newsflash, they don't have it figured out. The people next to you, they don't have it figured out. I'm just saying. I mean, I love you guys, but let's give each other a little grace. We don't have it all figured out. We're working on it. We are all beautiful works in progress. And so this series is about acknowledging that as we try to follow this journey that God has for us. On the road again, finding God in the unexpected journeys. Because honestly, it's the unexpected journeys that tend to be the most meaningful, that tend to push us farther, faster. It's because we have to learn in real time. I was joking this morning with some people. I'm like, I don't remember the last time anything turned out the way I expected. <laughs> like, really? And God uses that. God leverages that so that as we learn and respond, we grow. We were talking a bit last week about what happens when your journey comes to an unexpected end, like, uh, like Oregon Trail, right? You have died of dysentery. Anybody, like, it's just not just me, right? Everybody remembers that? Uh, okay. If, you have to be a certain age to get that joke. That was computer class back in the day, Oregon Trail. Anyway, when our journey comes to an, un- an unexpected end, we have a tendency to freak out. We have a tendency even to lose our faith because we think, okay, God set me on this journey and he put my feet on this path and here I go and I'm getting there and I see all my hopes and dreams or my expectations of what I want out of this journey just down the road and then all of a sudden something happens and a door slams right in my face. I'm just like, well, wait a minute. I didn't get there. But maybe that was just as far as you were ever meant to go because then God wanted to put your feet on a different journey. Our expectations sometimes have a tendency to derail our trust in God. But what happens when it goes the other way? Sometimes we go right in to success. We go right in to what we're hoping for. 
Last week we were saying like Moses' disappointment for not getting into the promised land. Well, then what happens when you do? Today is about Joshua. Joshua gets access to actually step into the promised land. What happens to us when we have the opportunity in our lives to step into the promised land, to experience success? Maybe our journey does end by receiving our hopes and dreams. But what does that do to us? Is there a way to navigate that that is better, that is healthier, that leads to a healthier place? What happens when our journeys end up in success? I was thinking about Jim Carrey's story. Uh, I don't know if you've heard him speak or talk much about his life, but Jim Carrey, one of the most iconic comedians of the last 25 years, regardless what you think of his talent, right, or, you know, if, if he's your flavor, usually he's pretty polarizing, but he's had this incredible successful career. I mean, really, you can't even chart the success that he's had. He's had all kinds, I mean, not just box office success, he's had all sorts of, you know, financial success, fame, he's had critical success in some of his more serious or dramatic roles, he's even had opportunities to sing, he was on a compilation album for the Beatles and he sang a song, I mean, the guy's done just about everything. And his story, I don't know if you ever heard his story. He grew up, he didn't have a whole lot. He got into comedy because he was trying to make his dad laugh. And at one point, they were really struggling. He was struggling as a young man. So much so, he was homeless for a while, living in a minivan that was parked on the lawn of a relative. He goes to Hollywood to try to make it big, and nothing seems to work out. He's 28 years old. And of course, like any 28-year-old, ah, oh, my hopes and dreams are over. I didn't make it by now. It's funny, because when you're a little past 28, you realize, hey, you have plenty of time. But for him, you know, he, he was wondering if he was ever going to make it, if he was ever going to get his shot. Hollywood's a young person's game. But he decides, he's like, no, you know what? I'm going to have faith. I'm going to go all in on this dream of mine. He decides to write himself a check. Have you heard this story? He writes himself a check for $10 million. And he gives himself five years to cash it. He keeps that check in his wallet. And he sees it every day. Every failure, everything that comes his way. He's like, nope. I still have time to cash this check. Well, four years in, he gets to sign the contract for Dumb and Dumber. Which pays him... $10 million. And we hear that story and we're like, wow, yes, perseverance, getting after your dreams, getting everything that you hoped, and then, then some. About a year ago, he was giving an interview, he was talking about his success, and he said the following, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of, so they can see that it's not the answer. What? Wait a minute, dude, you made it. What are you talking about it's not the answer? It's a funny thing about success. I think God wants us to experience success. God just doesn't want us to get like beat up, failure after failure after failure, and then you die. He wants us to experience success. God wants us to celebrate our wins. He wants to throw a party. By the way, God does like to party. I'm just throwing that out there. It's backed up by scripture. Why did he turn water into wine? To keep the party going. 
totally not kidding, totally true, to keep the party going. In fact, he even told his mom, it's not my time yet, mom. I'm not doing this to show that I'm the son of God. And mom's like, no, we need the party to keep going. It says that all the angels in heaven rejoice every time a lost sinner repents and comes back home. They celebrate. They throw a party. God wants us to experience success. However, however, we've heard stories of people who've gotten everything that they've ever dreamed of, and it absolutely crushes them. It's as if they stayed in the wilderness and never left. It's as if they never really accomplished anything or never crossed into the promised land, because once they got into the promised land, they couldn't handle it. I think the question for people of faith is, how do we navigate? Because sometimes it's even trickier than failure. How do we navigate success in a way that continues to grow our faith? It's like uh, the sticker on like a lot of products you buy or clothes that you wear that says handle with care. I think that's the deal with success. Success is something that needs to be handled with care. Or you run the risk of going off the rails a little bit. I liken it to gambling a little bit. Uh, I remember when Karen and I were first married, we were just talking about this story the other day. We were uh, newly married, and we decided to go to Atlantic City to the boat show. And we were going to go, and we were going to play the machines in Atlantic City. And I think we had, I can't remember exactly, I think we both had $50. It was a total of 100 We said, we're going to spend this, and this is our limit, right? By the way, remember those days when you didn't have kids, and you could just... I think we'll go to Atlantic City. I think we'll just go, I don't know what we're going to do. We could do anything. What do you feel like eating today? Oh, I don't know. Let's just decide as we drive. <laughs> Different days. So anyway, so we go to Atlantic City, and, uh, and we each, you know, we spend our, spend our money, and, you know, I'm in there. I'm in the casino. It feels like five minutes, and I'm out of money. It just did not go well for me at all. And then I'm doing the thing where I'm trying to pretend like I'm playing so they come bring me a free drink. <laughs> so, so, thank you. I'm glad there's some other sinners in the room. Anyway, so, we're, so we get down to the end, and Karen, of course, has been very good about, I mean, her money's lasted a lot longer. In fact, she's down, I think we were down to like 50 cents or something. Like you had a, you had a quarter, and I had a quarter. No, you had two quarters. And since we're newly married, you love me, and you said that I could play your other one, which I'm sure she would do now. <laughs> I, <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I put the quarter in, and I win 100 bucks. I, like, win our money back. And if I were smart or disciplined at all, <laughs> I should have taken that money and put it back in my pocket and said, we're good. But no, alas, what did I do? Exactly what the casino hoped. Gambled it again and maybe didn't win any back. Here's the point. Success can be like that. When you experience success, it's a bit of a high. It's a bit of a rush. And, and when you get what you were hoping for, it makes you want to go and get more. What can happen in that process is you can end up gambling away your joy. You can end up gambling away the promised land that God's giving you. Why? Because you're not appreciating what he's giving you. That's the nature of it, right? You're always wanting more, so you're never really satisfied for what you've been given. And it could derail your faith so fast. 
it could derail even the promises that God has for you because you can get stuck in this cycle of achievement and success. Does God want us to succeed? Of course he does. But handle with care. It's funny because when we're in the wilderness, we're all ears with God. Yes, God, tell me I will do anything you say. Just get me out of here. And we make all sorts of promises. I will sit at your feet. I will grow a scraggly beard and have John 3.16 signs at the football game. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then success comes, and like we forget everything. We're just like, okay, woo! Success time. But I actually think it takes much more spiritual vigilance, vigilance to stay connected with God during your successful seasons during your promised land, parts of the journey. And equally, if not more, important. So what happens when our journey leads us to success? Just to review, last week we had talked about Moses. Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. We talked about what happens when you deal with disappointment. And now, today, we get the handoff. We get now Joshua going into the promised land. Not for nothing, Moses was like 120 years old. It's good that he handed that job off. But now Joshua is there with the Israelites waiting to cross the Jordan River, which was the threshold of the promised land. Like, this is it. This is your time. And I think we learn how Joshua deals with this. I think we can mine his story for some principles that help us navigate success. This is Joshua chapters 3 and 4. I'm going to jump around a little bit. First of all, uh, verse 3, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. So notice what he's doing right off the bat. He doesn't know exactly how God's going to work all this out. He's got to cross a river with, I don't know, a million Israelites. I don't know how many there were, a lot, and all their stuff in order to get into the promised land. It's right there. He knows it's theirs for the taking. He doesn't know exactly how God's going to do it, but what he does know is we're leading with God. We're going ark first into the promised land. I feel like with us in success, that's how, what we can learn too. It's you lead with God. You make sure that God is in the front of your mind as you're going into this next season. Okay, he continues. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. He doesn't know what amazing things yet, but he believes God didn't stop doing miracles now that we're out of the wilderness. In fact, pay attention. He's going to keep doing these amazing things. He's going to keep leading you so that you know where to go, so you know where to follow. God then tells Joshua, verse 12, Now then, Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So there's a bunch of things going on here. Just a couple of things to notice. One is, um, what God clearly is doing is saying, this is like the Red Sea with Moses. I'm the same God this is how I work, and you can trust that Joshua is the next one that you're supposed to follow. We're going to do the same thing. 
God does that, I noticed. I, I don't know about you, but in my own life, God has a way of communicating with me that I know it's God. And that only comes from time and practice. But after a while, you start noticing the way God's worked before so you can recognize him when he's working again in real time. And so it was meant to be recognized. But the other thing was, is to just give instructions to Joshua and say, look, I'm going to show up in a miraculous way, so expect it. Tell them, get ready, choose your 12 people and get up there and get ready to do it. So he does. Which is maybe another part of what it is to walk into the promised land that God has for you. Do what God says. Continue doing what God says. And the only way you do that is to actually connect with God. Keep connecting. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. In other words, don't forget it was God who brought you into the promised land. It wasn't you or your ability. That's the thing about success, right? We often forget about the miracle that got us out of the wilderness. And we start thinking, I don't know, I think I'm the miracle. I'm crushing it. What happens when our journey leads us to success? Again, in order to handle it with care, I, I just want to point out a few things, I think, that we can mine from this story. The first is, don't forget the wilderness that you left behind. The wilderness might be the pressure, preparation that you needed. But don't leave it behind. Remember the lessons learned in the wilderness because they're going to serve you well in the promised land. Lessons of trusting in God. Doing what he says. Risking what it takes to follow him. All the hard stuff that you get through in the wilderness. The whole reason you experienced it was so that you're ready for the promised land. Don't forget those lessons too quickly. The next Expect God to continue to do amazing things. God's not done with the miracles just because you're in a more comfortable place. In fact, watch out. You can easily decide, well, the miracle happened and I'm all set and I don't need anything else. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The third is, when it's time to enter the promised land, lead with God. Go ark first. What does that look like, though? That's really an abstract idea. What it looks like for me, if I'm going into a, a promised land, so to speak, success, and what do I mean? I mean, it could be any kind of success. It could be a small success. It could be, you know, a, a project I was working on uh, at work, and it was successful, or maybe it was a promotion, or maybe it was some kind of big win with my kids or my grandkids or, you know, 
whatever that looks like for you, or, or a big thing, like a big thing happening in your life, is to lead with God, to say, all right, God, and for me, it's an everyday kind of habit. Get up in the morning, and it's God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm out of the wilderness. I know it's you that brought me here, and, and then I go through my day. I'm like, okay, I know I got this meeting today, and this thing going on today, and I just pray that you are present in those things, and that Give me the words to say. Give me the right spirit to hear what other people say. And that's kind of it. That's like my, it's a couple of sentences. It takes a minute maybe, minute and a half. But what it does, it, it's like a machine that needs to get recalibrated. I, I get recalibrated to God. And so it makes sure that if I'm in a se- season of success, that I'm just as tuned in, just as dialed in as I was in the season of wilderness. But it takes extra discipline, because we're in party mode. We're not feeling the desperation to cry out to God constantly. But we need to make sure that we stay connected. Spiritual vigilance. Because remember what Joshua says. He says, you've never been this way before. That's If you go ark first, then you're going to know which way to go. Same thing with our success. We've never been this way before. But if we lead with God, he'll show us where to go. And then the fourth is, Never to forget who made the miracle happen. That's what those 12 stones were about. Never forget who made the miracle happen. Here's another reason why. There are lots of people, and this is why, this is so important about being part of a church community. This is hard for us, I think, nowadays, because the truth is, you could listen to Andy Stanley on a podcast. You can listen, you can watch services at mega churches all over the country, some of the best you know, stuff. You have everything at your fingertips. You watch our stuff at your fingertips. So you don't always need to be physically present. But what happens is, if you allow yourself to be so disconnected from a church, is that you get the idea that you're just an individual on this faith journey, and it's a lot harder to do it. When we're in community, we could tell each other our stories and be like, no, 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 no. I was in the wilderness just a little while ago, and here's what happened. God got me out of there. God got me out of there. And then then how do you you feel encouraged? Like, oh, okay. And you know what? Your situation was worse than mine, so. We encourage each other. We build each other up. That's why it's so, so important to be tethered to a church community. It's about doing life together is the way that we talk about it here. We got to do life together so that we could help each other be faithful. Never forget who made the miracle happen. I love that part about, you know, when your children ask. I think that's a great one. When your children ask you, how did you get to where you are? Never forget who brought you down this road. Never forget to give thanks to God. We have to handle the promised land with care. Why? So that you can receive it with joy. This is the bottom line. God wants you to enjoy your success. He wants you to love the promised land. He wants you to squeeze every ounce of that as you can. But you got to handle it with care. Or you could squander it. You could gamble it away. And never be satisfied with the blessings that God's given. There's a family, I want to close with this, you know, there's a family that um, 
when we lived in California that I used to love going to this kid's house because his dad was a well-known heart surgeon and they lived in this beautiful house uh, in the hills of Los Angeles and they had everything, all the toys. We used to ask to go see his dad's car collection. It was the coolest thing ever. And then uh, they had this swimming pool that had like these big boulder rocks that you could jump off of. It was like a lake in the middle of Los Angeles. And then um, he had a, like a rec room with big, like old school, it's all that existed back then, arcade games, like full-size arcade games. I always wanted to go to his house. And um, I remember a couple years after we moved out here, we got word that his dad, the heart surgeon, had committed suicide. And that shook us to our core because we just couldn't get it in our heads. How? Somebody who had it all, who made it, who had everything, had nothing. How is that even possible? And I know what we often think, we're like, well, may the Lord curse us with such, such a problem. May the Lord, you know, give us the $10 million contract that we were hoping for. But the truth is, is that if we don't handle it with care, we may not be able to handle it. In fact, our success will handle us. And it usually doesn't work out very well. Here's to your success. Here's to what the Lord wants to succeed in your life. Here's, the flourish, here's to the flourishing he wants to do for you in your season of promised land. Handle it with care as we're on the road with God.